everyone and welcome to episode 15 of Mental Wealth for Entrepreneurs podcast, a podcast for resilient entrepreneurs. My guest on today's show is Christian Gislin, a consultant, coach and intuitive and mindfulness mentor. Since Christian was a teen, uh, she always knew uh, the solution uh, in the pill wasn't for her, although she tried antidepressant and anti-anxiety medication. Instead, she's been practicing a lifestyle focused on body, mind, and spirit. So let's dive in and listen to Christine's story now. Okay. Hi, Christine. Hey, good morning. Hello. Good afternoon. I'm not sure. Good anytime. Yeah. <laughs> afternoon for us, yes. Um, no, great to have you on the show. Um, yeah, I guess it's, it's the first question. Uh, I'd like to know is that you are, how, how did it all start for you? How did you become an entrepreneur? Uh, well, you know, my, my family were entrepreneurs. I grew up around small and medium-sized businesses. And um, they, I always knew from the time I was a little girl, I wanted to have my own business. That was just always something I knew. And they would also say, which may or may not be true, they'd say, you can't really ever make that much money unless you work for yourself. You know, so that was like a message, you know, that came, came in. Um, I also felt, though, because I saw them working sometimes a lot, that in the days when I was, you know, raising my child, I didn't necessarily want to do that. But I always had a side hustle. When I worked for other people, I always had a moonlight, a side hustle, a something else. Um, I think because I wanted more creative freedom and more control over, you know, how much money I was making. So I was always doing some little freelance something. And then really what happened for me that really pushed me into, you know, focusing on using these different skills was um, I could see that even when I was in more structured environments, my, my last professional job working for others, I was the director of a continuing ed department at a SUNY Sullivan College, upstate New York. And people were projecting their psychological issues onto me and into the relationship. And I thought, okay, that's it. This is the last job I take as an administrator because people seem to need me to do this other role, this other healing, helping you know, kind of role. And I was like, okay, that's it. I'm, I'm either going to, I'll either come externally as a consultant to help systems that are broken and need shifting and helping, or I will work with people that way. But this is because it had happened multiple times. So it was really, it just felt like it was, it was a day that had come that I couldn't ignore. And then every time I've tried to go back, the doors do not open. So it's a clear message for me that yes, I am indeed supposed to be, especially at this point, amalgamating and integrating everything I did and learned in the first two-thirds of my career to really be effective and strategic both with individuals and organizations here in the last third. So, so you've, um, you've run your business for how many years now? Um, you know, that's a good question. I, um, I started doing intuitive work. Uh, let's see, when did I start getting paid for intuitive work? About four years ago, I started, uh, you know, doing that. And I had done, you know, like I said, other little things, you know, along the way. And I've done some consulting for other organizational development consultants, little subcontracts and stuff. But really, I started shifting my, my personal identity about four years ago. Yeah. You know, how I, what I would tell people I do. You know, and it was hard for me at first because I came out of the left brain world, you know, and education was, you know, really emphasized in my family and I worked in education. So, you know, I was really identified with that. So then, you know, when I had to start telling people I'm an intuitive at first, that just felt really odd. Like it felt like coming out, you know. <laughs> <laughs> when you say intuitive, what would you mean by this phrase? What, what does it mean? You know, you're a coach, right? 
I do I do coach people, but I I, I largely I largely do this. Well, it's sort of a sum total of my education and experience, but the intuitive part is an important part. Um, traditionally, people with the, the ability to read energy would be called psychics. I don't like to call myself a psychic because I'm not into predicting the future. You know, it's not, that's not really what I'm doing. What I'm doing is I get information that is not from the left brain side. I get things from the collective unconscious or from the matrix. Um, sometimes I see things that come from a person's past or even from the other side. And, and, but those things are meaningful or important to the particular situation. So like this was something, these little, there was like a breadcrumb trail that my intuition was really driving the train throughout my whole career. I just wasn't ready to completely embrace that, you know, because it would mean I would have to present myself and, and see myself very differently than I actually did. But like, for instance, one time when I was working in a nonprofit organization and they were about to do a huge downsize that I didn't know anything about, I was compelled. I was just compelled that all of the people that I was working with, I was a career services administrator. I wanted everybody in the organization, 400 people, to know what their skills were. And it was like something was just compelling me because a lot of the people had worked their way through the organization. They didn't really know what they had to offer. And so I started, you know, an incentive so that the people who ran the different departments would be helping their people understand. Well, that was because the hatchet was about to fall and 50% of those people were about to be laid off. I did not know that, but there was something inside of me that was hearing, we would call that now claircognizance, um, sort of the need to do something to help these people, you know, like six months before the hatchet actually fell and, and a lot of people got laid off. So, you know, that's happened just time and time again throughout my regular career. So just, you know, information just comes to me in ways, you know, they generally speak about clear. So there's claircognizant, clairsentient, clairaudient, clairvoyant. And uh, to a large extent, I'm claircognizant, which is where I just know stuff. And, you know, I'm sure you know people or have met people who know, just know things and, you know, they don't know how they know. And if you, if you are aware that that is how things work for them, it's great. If you're not, and they just tell you, well, um, I just know this, and you don't know if that's just they're crazy or where that's coming from, it's difficult. So when I coach new intuitives, I basically tell them, look, if the people around you understand that you have this ability, they're going to be far more likely to um, embrace those kinds of information bits when you bring them to the table. And, you know, now people just expect that from me because most of the people who know me um, understand that that's part of what I, you know, abilities that I, that I have that I bring to the table that could help either if they're making personal decisions or they're making professional decisions or if I'm working with, you know, an organization that's trying to figure something out. So sometimes like now, you know, nobody would have predicted six months ago you know, except for the seer type people or the intuitives or the First Nations who are more in touch with the collective unconscious would not have known that this was going to happen. Right. So what's happened in 2009? Something happened in your life and uh, you mentioned you had to do a clean sweep. Oh, yeah, that was the clean sweep. Um, it was interesting because, you know, that was a big crash in the economy. Um, but for me, there was so much change in like a year and a half. It was crazy. Um, I, my house, my house burned. I don't know. Are, can you hear my dog? Is my dog bothering you in the background? Cause I, no, uh, no, okay. you can't hear right, that's good. Okay. So he's whining. Sorry about that. So, um, so my dad, the first thing was my house burned and then my grandmother passed away. Oh, I was fired from my job at the same time that my house burned. Um, because the guy knew I was looking for another job. That place was going to close down. It was a school. Then what was the next thing that happened? My grandmother passed away. Oh, 
I, I got a new job, but they were making me work too much. So I decided, no, I can't stay here. I, I can't work 65 hours a week and take care of my teenage child. So I left that position. Um, I moved, of course, because I couldn't stay in my burnt house. Then I moved in with my, um, my then ex temporarily, so I'd have somewhere to stay in the short run. I got a new job in another state. Um, my child and I then moved to New York. Then that summer, my father passed away. And I was, uh, I think I worked for like nine months maybe at that job. And they told me they were going to uh, get rid of the position. So I had now moved my whole life. They got rid of the, because it was continuing ed and all the continuing ed was going online. I mean, it was, did I leave anything? Oh, then my, then my adult child, you know, my teenage son <clears throat> dropped out of um, high school. Then he dropped out of college. And then I moved back to what I thought might be help, you know, like repair the old relationship. And that was blown up. My ex was drinking and unhealthy. Um, it was just, you know, I don't know those, you know, those stress scales, but it was, it was just blown up on the stress scale. It was just completely crazy off the chain. And actually that was the beginning of the change. Um, when all of that stuff happened, I suppose, you know, a lot of the defense mechanisms and coping strategies that I had been using for years and years just sort of melted. And I was left with something that was more central really to who I am, which was this way of, you know, interacting with energy in a, a more direct way, which had been with me since I was a teenager. And you, you go and talk to your dog. Yeah, he's whining. He has to go out. I think he's in distress. I start working from home. So yeah, so really, it was it was a crazy it was a crazy little section of time, and um, it, it took there was several couple of years, like two or three years where I just really didn't know what I was going to do because what I wasn't, what I had done in the past wasn't really working and what I was going to do wasn't here yet. There was, you know, there was sort of a little bit of a breadcrumb trail to follow. And so I really had to rely on my mindfulness practice and just being in the moment and just doing the next right thing and really resiliencies that I had built in for decades being I, you know, being a, a meditator, I really had to rely on that because my basic, you know, in the world identity had just been, you know, destroyed, <laughs> which wasn't fun. It was no picnic. Um, you know, I relied on that in a lot of ways because I'm a creative person. I got a lot of gratification from the work that I had done, from helping people, from being involved in collaborations. And so all of that had just been wiped out. And um, I really wasn't sure, you know, what I was going to do with myself going forward. Yeah. Do you, do you believe that things are uh, happening for a reason? You know, that's a really good question that you asked that. I don't like to define it quite that narrowly that things happen for a reason. I like to say it's smart and wise and useful and healthy to find the reason in what happens. Yeah. That, you know, things happen and then it's so much, it's so much better to say, okay, this looks really messy on the plate, but, oh, I like this part over here. And, oh, maybe I could use this. And, oh, this thing I never like anyway, let's just throw that out. I don't ever want to do that again. You know, I just did that because it was part of the other things I had to do. So I don't, I, I think it's important to try not to fall into that um, fatalistic thinking or nihilistic thinking or, you know, big creator in the sky, you know, organizing, you know, <laughs> everything in your life thinking. But absolutely, it's way better to think, what to, to think about there something good can always come out of something bad and that's just not something that we we can do right away sometimes in the moment because we're too stressed out or we're too upset but if we can gradually get there and 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 not only that you know really with discipline over time you know you realize that everything has two sides Every, even in good times, there are things that you need to be aware of. Like, you know, you told me you had this 
other work that you were doing that was making a lot of money. And so it had a good side, but there were parts of it that weren't working at all. So, you know, really, you know, life is about finding, you know, balance and wholeness in the time that you're in. And that changes, you know, hopefully if you're alive, if you're thriving and growing and developing through your life, you know, what that look like, what that looks like is morphing. You know, at, at all times, we should be self-correcting and evaluating and, and seeing what gives us the most joy and what serves others the best, you know, all, you know, as we go. So how did you know it was a good idea to um, to focus on, on, on this area of, um, you know, your professional sort of life, meditation and so on? How did uh, you well, when I was a young, young, a young person, and sometimes they try different things to earn money. They try affiliate marketing. They try to do a bit of side hustle here and there. How do right. you know that you hit the right spot? How do you know that it's 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 the right idea for you? Just you, right? Um, the way that I work with people uh, is very. It's sort of what I'm doing now is sort of like I looked back over the best of what I had done in the prior years, and I sort of gleaned and and pulled things out that I felt the best about. And um, I think in some ways I'm lucky because I did a lot. I started working when I was like 13 or 14 in my grandmother's interior design store. And I had my first professional job. I had a degree, four-year degree when I was 20, and I was working. So just because I've done a lot of different things, I was able to say, you know, of those things that I did, what brought me the most joy? When did I feel most alive? You know, what was the most fun? You know, it was easy for me to sort of assess. You know, sometimes if you don't have a lot of career history, I think it's harder to know, like, what to do in that particular area of your life. And then you have to go, okay, you know, as a mom, you know, what did I do that I enjoyed or I was good at? Or, you know, in college, you might have to go back and revisit, you know, some different areas of your life. Um, for me, it was just, um, it was just very plain to see you know, where things are going. And um, now I have to let the dog in, sorry. To see where I was going, um, because it was easy, you know, it was like the path just, just, just brought me there. And things started showing up. Like I, one of the techniques that I use is theta healing. And um, when I first started being trained in that, the person offered me free opportunity, like come and take this class. So it just fell into my lap. I wasn't looking for it. It just showed up. And so then I'm like, okay, let me try this. And I was really very casual about it at the beginning. I was just sort of like, oh, sure, that's fun. Let's try it, blah, blah, blah. That's nice. And then as time started to go by, I, I noticed, you know, how, what a big change it was, you know, how much it was helping me personally. And I, the, the more I did it and worked with other people doing it, the more I liked it. <laughs> so I wasn't seeking that, you know, I didn't even know that modality existed. I'm just sitting in a metaphysical store one day and a lady comes in and we start talking and she's like, Hey, I'm teaching this class. Do you want to come? Okay, fine. So it just, that was, that felt like it was a meant to be kind of thing. It just, when you say, you know, is it, is it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that felt, that felt like, there's a lot of positive energy around this for me. I'm, I'm going to do this. Seven classes later, you know, I'm very good at it. And I've, you know, cultivated, I'm, I, I've used that and some other things that I've been trained in as a jumping off point for creating my own thing. And I, and I use the theta healing with what I'm doing. Um, you know, that's a modality that's, you know, global and very popular and, um, but I have my own thing. And so now, you know, I want to be developing the system that I've created to share with others um, that I think is a good interface between the woo world and the more uh, traditional therapeutic world. And I, you know, I kind of have one foot in each camp. I, I never got the, the master's or the PhD in the therapeutic modalities, you know, in terms of uh, clinical social work or psychology. 
because I never really loved Western psychology. I always, at least in the United States, it's based on primarily based on a disease model and, you know, uh, structured around getting payment to, you know, deciding, you know, who gets to have a service based on do they fit in the DSM. And that just never appealed to me. I just thought that is backwards. So my master's is in human resource development, which is more about how to help people discover what their gifts and talents are and how to apply those in work environments. Because I, you know, I got so much out of working and I think people inherently can, can feel like there's meaning in their life if they make a contribution in some way and are rewarded for it. So my whole model for what, what I thought was a good way to help people was just not jiving with Western psychology. And there was like one school I would have gone to. It was in California, the Transpersonal California Institute. And I just couldn't, I couldn't afford it. It was in California. It was expensive. So I ended up with the Master's in Human Resource Development from a small Catholic university in the Miami Shores, Florida. And that fit well enough. You know, it gave me the next credential and I don't really know that I've completely made the, you know, gotten the full benefit out of having that credential. But I will tell you that while I sat in those classes, it was one of the first times that I could feel the energy in my crown chakra. So it was really, that also felt like, okay, yes, this is where I'm meant to be. There's something happening here that's, that's important for me, for my future, for what I'll offer to others. And almost not all the time, but a lot of the time I sat in those classes, that was back in the day when you actually went to a physical classroom. Um, yeah, so that felt like, yep, you're in line. This is where you're supposed to be. This feels right. Yeah. Are there any mistakes that you wished you'd avoided when you just started as an entrepreneur? Oh, yeah. Um, I don't think I was shooting high enough. I, I wish I would have more quickly identified the superstars in my area and started emulating them. I think I am uh, just now getting there, but I could have been further more quickly had I done that sooner. You know, in terms of scaling my business, um, I've been really bad with the back office stuff. It's been really hard for me. I do, I will say I'm very proud of the, I've done everything on a wing and a prayer, basically. Um, my, I have really beautiful business card that a local artist did for me for free. I do a lot of bartering, negotiation. Um, I don't have a husband supporting me. I don't have another income. You know, I'm pretty much a, a totally bootstrap operation. And I'm, I'm able to do a lot. I, I, I joke that I can do more with less until I can do everything with nothing <laughs> because of all those years working in nonprofit organizations. But that's not quite true. You know, that's not quite the truth. Um, but I, I am willing to try to make things happen. Like I have a very close relationship with my Tarot mentor, James Wanless, who created this Voyager Tarot deck that I use. And um, it's, it's, he really, he, he, he loves mindfulness. And this is actually the way the DNA looks. And he created this deck like 30 years ago, and it's still extremely popular. So when I became certified as a Voyager Tarot reader, part of, part of what helped me, um, what I would say for people is to align, I did align myself with this guy, with James Wanless, and I, I organized events for him here locally. And that gave me more visibility. It connected me with the international community. So in some ways, and in some ways I learned what not to do from him <laughs> because he's extremely creative, but he was a terrible businessman. So I learned some good things about how to do my business, but also some things about what not to do. So I guess I did, I did align myself with James, which was, I think it was good in terms of actually having, um, a community, uh, someone who has an international platform. And, you know, I've brought him here and organized events for him a couple times locally, which gives me greater visibility. And he's just a really fun, creative person. And he's sort of like, um, he's in my psych, I, I call him, 
he's like in my psychosocial diaspora of helpers, you know, so, okay, what would James do? How would he deal with this? You know, where did he, where did he, what are the things he did that I really admire? And what are the things that I don't want to, I don't want to do the way he did because now there's a problem for him. He just didn't focus on, on the business side of things enough because he's very creative and he really focused on that. So I'm like, okay, watch out. You have to pay attention to the business side, not just the creative side. So, you know, that was a good lesson, actually, that I did learn from from building a relationship. And when I started to read the Voyager Tarot, I'm like, okay, if I'm going to read this deck and support this, I got to meet the guy who created it because I want to make sure I, it's all on the up and up. And so I tracked him down to another state and um, I asked if I could have dinner with him and his, the person who was organizing him in that area because I was not going to be able to stay after the event. And he's like, yeah, sure, have dinner. So, you know, right away we became friends and we're still friends and he's friends with a lot of people, but I do feel, you know, anytime I want to do something that's Voyager related and say, Hey, I've got people, you know, he'll be, he'll be onto it. And probably the next thing we'll do will be online. So I would say find the superstars and, and chase the superstars. Yeah. Um, no, that, that, that's, that, that's really great what, what you're saying because yeah, it, it's good to have a mentor and um, to look at the experts in your field uh, because, you know, for a lot of people when they start up, even if they have um, some expertise, I mean, it's, it's quite a wild journey, isn't it? Um, so, so, yeah, find, finding a mentor and um, someone who, who, who you can... Um, you know, look at and 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 see how they do things. But uh, I want to ask you: um, Do you have bad, bad days? And if you have bad days, um, what do you do during your bad days as an entrepreneur? Yeah, you know, I try to just keep a thread a thread of some things going. Like I'm always throwing my fishing line. Okay, I just feel oh, like okay. If I if I can't really reel something in today, that's okay. But throw the line out. And um, yeah, I don't have great energy. My my natal chi when I was born, I was very weak. I was a wimpy baby, and so I have to like drink my protein shakes and get sleep. And I actually the way I work is I follow my own personal biorhythms. I know that between 3 and 5 p.m., I don't have a lot of energy. So I usually rest then because I can work from morning until 3, rest, and then eat some dinner and work again if I want to. And because I'm doing stuff I love, I don't care if I'm working at night. I just, I'm just as happy working and doing stuff I enjoy doing as I would be doing something leisurely. You know, my child is now an adult, so I don't have to do child-related things at night anymore. But I get to follow, you know, where my energy flows are. So um, when, I, when I'm not having a good work day or when something is disappointing, I would say for me, uh, what do I do if I feel really just, like, bummed out about it? I try to kind of shift. Like, I don't try to grind through that. I usually will try to renew myself some other way, like, you know, go outside and play with my plants or, you know, do something that makes my energy, um, you know, feel vital again. And one thing I have observed with myself is that I feel like sometimes when something creative is about to happen, I can go down a little bit first. It's almost like the energy is going into the creative birth. And I don't even know what that is yet. So instead of getting reactive and stressed and frustrated, oh, my God, my energy's blue. I'm not doing anything. I'm not being productive. If I can just be patient, if I can just say, okay, you know, there's probably something that's trying to germinate, that's trying to grow, that's going to be popping out soon. Um, and I've just sort of observed this, you know, with my mindfulness practice. I'm like, oh, isn't that weird? It's like you always... You go like that and then poof, something comes out, you know, that's, you know, a new idea or a different approach or, oh, now I can do this or whatever. So um, I feel like just kind of making space uh, to find, you know, how to get the best out of myself 
you know, and I'm at the age now, I'm 56, where I have to be more careful with what I eat, you know, so if I want to really be my best for my job, like now I have a juicer, I'm going to start learning how to juice so I can make juices that make me feel good. And we have a lot of plants in Florida that you can eat that like grow in your grass, you know, like outside, and they're very nutrient packed. And I'm like, I am going to be getting into that because I need that kind of energy to put out, you know, what I want to put out. And when I do the healing work with people, it's intense. It uses a lot of energy. And so I don't schedule, you know, I like doing very customized work. So I don't schedule like a crazy number of those type of appointments. You know, that's a premium service and I just can't, I don't have the physical energy to just be like doing zillions of those. So as I'm scaling, I'm looking at that. I'm like, okay, you know, if I'm going to scale this, how many of these kind of clients can I serve? How much should I really be charging this type of client? These are all things that I'm starting to realize now. Like it took me, I would say, these first four years to really feel confident in my craft to really get my craft where I wanted it and to personally embrace a new identity. And now, and of course I was doing business development many things all the way along, but not, not the way I feel like I'm ready to now. And I don't know that you can create something that's brand new without a certain amount of birthing process. You know, when we have babies, there's a process involved, you know, and it takes time and it's hard to get that baby out. Sometimes a lot of trouble to get that baby out. And then in the beginning, you know, you have this little thing that's so delicate and you're like on it 24 seven trying to make sure it's going to thrive. And, you know, when we make, you know, when we create something out of nothing, it's, it's a powerful process. And um, I think we have to have a lot of patience with ourselves. Just like, you know, if you have low energy and you're just not feeling sparky, then then don't do some do whatever you can do for your business, you know, in a low energy state. You know, for me, that might be okay. Let's get on the Facebook and and put up whatever I know is on my calendar already that I haven't put up. You know, that's an easy thing to do, something that I don't have to think about. You know, go to the easier things when I have lower energy. And, and use my, when I'm really feeling sparky, you know, that's when I should be working on my, you know, my proprietary system that I've created or, you know, what are the next level, you know, where am I going to get some backers? You know, who do I want to approach about helping me with my Bism project? You know, that's, you know, when you're sparky. And then another energy trick that um, I've been, I, I've seen this in two or three different places recently is, you know, if you need to do a presentation or if you're in a place where, you know, you're trying to do, you know, get help, you know, where you want to be really energetically vibrant, you know, take 20 or 30 minutes prior to that and get yourself energetically vibrant, you know, exercise, listen to music, you know, do something to get your energy sparky. You know, it's like, don't expect yourself to have sparky energy 24 seven, you know, just make it sparky when you need it sparky and then go back to a little more chill you know, stay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> because yeah, it's it's just like like for me, I'm 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 planning to do Facebook, uh, start doing Facebook lives, and um, the only time I, I get free of you know screaming and and the little one running around like a headless chicken is like late at night. But late at night, you kind of your you know. You're slowing down, aren't you? <laughs> and you just think, oh, I'm just so tired. <laughs> Maybe tomorrow. <laughs> but yeah, well, definitely listen to some music and then just put yourself in the right state of mind. Yeah, well, that's great advice. Um, yeah, I, I guess another question I want to ask is um, um, today, is, 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 is today a good time to start a new business? Um. You know, I really like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Virgo. I have four planets in Virgo. I like to make sure the bills are paid and the food is there. And, you know, I like to make sure those basics are covered. Practical earthbound. Um, I think any time is a good time to start a business if you are personally feeling inspired to do it. 
if you are getting that inner nudge that, oh, you know, no matter what it is, how big, how small, if you, if there's something sparking inside of you, and to me, that's the life force, you know, that's what, that's what ties us all together. That little, "Mm, I'm just getting that feeling. I really like to, "Mm." you know, when we follow that energy flow, things, good things come of it. And, um, and we learn because it's going to take us outside of what we have known before. And, you know, to me, you know, I guess, well, Joseph Campbell says the great, you know, anthropologist who's no longer with us, that all of the mythopoetic systems basically imply or say that people want to feel alive. So if you're doing something that helps you feel alive, then, then there's value in it, you know, no matter what happens with it financially. I mean, of course you want it to be financially successful, but if you learn something, um, I worked for one metaphysical store where the lady had never failed at anything in her life and, and she ended up needing to close the store because of the health issue. And it felt like a failure to her, but it was the beginning all of the connections that she made in that metaphysical store was the beginning of the new community for the, the coming phase of her life. And she healed from the health issue that they thought might kill her. And um, she's a completely, she has a new, a whole new life. She has a whole different life now that she might not have had. Um, she, she was financially fine. It wasn't about that. It was just a dream that she had. So she was sad that it didn't last longer because she, it was like a playground, you know, and she was, it was fun, but it also turned into a nightmare for her. She just, it was chewing her up. And so, but the pro, what she learned from it was, was worth the experience. So what, what advice would you give to people who want to transition from the corporate world? And we know today a lot of people also lost their jobs and some may go back to work or may not. <laughs> uh, where, would they, uh, where would be the right uh, place to start for them? You know, I, I think it really has to do with, you know, reviewing yourself. You really need to know what it is that sparks you, that sparks your joy, like Marie Kondo says, you know, what sparks your joy? Mm. And because you want to feel, uh, this is one of the things that I always felt my whole entire life was whatever you have to spend the majority of your time doing, like most people are spending a third of their life working, a big chunk of it, you know, please let that be something that you feel good about and you enjoy. And it doesn't mean you enjoy every element of it all the time, but something that you feel has honor, that you can do with dignity, that relates to your skills, your competencies, your attitudes, you know, your talents, you know, something that um, the Japanese have something called Ikigai, which I don't know what all of the letters stand for, but it basically is, you know, overlapping circles of, you know, what I love, what sustains me and earns money, what helps others, you know, so the more overlapping circles you can get like that, then, you know, you're really zeroing in on something that has value, will have value to you and value to others. And, you know, that just runs the gamut, you know, what that could potentially be. You know, I have one relative that's like a crazy crocheter. I mean, she can crochet Star Wars animals and all kinds of stuff. Now, she doesn't do that as a job, but if she wanted to, she could totally make that into a cottage industry because she can make the patterns, you know, so she can sell the patterns for these things. She makes these things out of her mind, you know, like it's amazing. And so there's all kinds of there was one, um, I heard of one entrepreneur that made some kind of frilly, frilly socks. And I think she got backing from Shark Tank. And it was just basically a, cho- a, a little baby sock that she put frill on the cu- cuff, which I guess there, nobody was doing that. I mean, who knew? And so it was a huge, you know, successful business with just putting frills on baby socks. So because she wanted that, because that made, you know, her happy, she wanted to have that. You just never know. And it could be something that seems frivolous like that, you know, like, oh, baby, you know, frilly baby socks, 
or, you know, it could be something deeply, you know, meaningful, you know, that has to do with, you know, people, personal transformation, you know, which is my thing. I always pick the hard thing. I like a challenge, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really finding it so exciting though, because I'm working with people who are influencing other people. That's really a big part of what, um, I, I basically have two types of clients, people who are either emergent intuitives who are trying to figure out, oh my gosh, am I losing my mind? You know, I'm seeing things on the other side of what's going on. So I work with those people. And then I work with people who are in, sometimes these are the same people, but sometimes they're different people who are working with um, either they're in HR in bigger companies or they're business owners. And like, I have one client that um, owns a dance studio. And so she has like, you know, 25 different, you know, dancers that come in and teach classes. And now she's had to move the whole platform online. And she has a whole community of people who she influences. I worked with another person who has, um, who's responsible for an area that's like a Native American preserve where a lot of people congregate. So I love working with these sort of key people, these people who are central figures in other communities, because when I can help them, you know, with their deep identity alignment, where they're really feeling on purpose, you know, with different, you know, levels of who they are, then they upgrade and up level and serve and support their entire community. So, you know, I love that. For me, that just fits with my values. So, you know, when people are making choices about what they, you know, would like to do, it needs to line up with your passions and your values and, and, and also go for where the money is. You know, I kind of didn't do that at the beginning of this and I'm just starting to do that. I'm just starting to realize, yeah, you can help a lot of different people, but go for the people that can pay you and then you can help the other people however you want. You know, it's just, um, it's very easy. Like if you're my type, a helper type, um, to, you know, it's like the business that, it's like the work comes first and then the business. So it's good to try to remember that whatever you're doing is a business and your goal is to make money. So it's some kind of a, you know, a massage, you know, a tricky balance massage yeah. between, you know, my goal is to make money and I'm going to do that in a way that in, lines up with my values and my passion. So, yeah. So how do you personally uh, overcome fears, um, all sorts of fears, fears of not succeeding, fears of judgment and, and, and social acceptance? How, how do you deal with this personally? Um, a, a couple of years ago, when I realized this was the direction I was going to go in, um, I started you know, I do have, I do have like a prayer life and I don't really pray to G-O-D God, but I do ask the universe more of a kind of inclusive idea, infinite intelligence for courage. I prayed for courage. I actually asked, please give me courage. It was clear to me that I needed more courage. And because I could see that I was holding back or not taking risks, or I was nervous or whatever. So I felt, I feel that as I did that process, it it felt like it came as it needed to. It's not like it comes in this huge, you know, here's a ton of courage. It's like you, you get the courage to do this thing and then you do that. And then you get the courage to do this thing and this thing and this thing. So it's not like, you know, I don't have fears. Um, overall, of course, and I check, you know, I'm intuitively, okay, I'm like, is this going to work? Is this going to be successful? You know, because that's my system. <laughs> it's like, you know, I'm nervous. I'm checking. Okay, how's it going to go? Um, I do that. And, and yet I just keep trying to take the next step or the next risk and, you know, explore further, get more information, you know, make that connection, reach out, just, just do a small risk. And um, I'm doing another show on Friday, and that show is mostly reaching out. You know, it's a, a podcast um, blog show that mostly goes to L.A. So, you know, just by reaching out a little bit, 
I was able to make a connection with you. I made a connection with this other person. And it's not like, you know, it was a crazy amount of reaching out. Okay. It was like a medium sized amount of reaching out. It's not like I was going crazy. <laughs> it was just, oh, oh, you know, the, our, our mutual connection. I saw her online, you know, business coach. I'm like, hmm, she's interesting. You know, I could be, I could support the, what she's talking about, you know, and then we were in a network. Somehow she connected us. So, and that's another thing is I think you do have to say, I'm open. I think you have to let people know, hey, I'm looking to connect and I'm a collaborator and here are my values and this is what I'm interested in. And, you know, of course, I've primarily worked with women my entire career. I have worked with men, but I'd say probably 85% women and 15% men. So, you know, when I had the opportunity to connect with you, that's like a no-brainer. <laughs> yes, how do I get some men talking about fear and anxiety on this show? But it's, it's yes, it is, it is for, for, for fever, for, for women. But, uh, yeah, I guess guys just, um, you know, like f- f- faking it till, till they're making it, right? Um, I think, but, um, yeah, I think. The stuff that they also have anxiety and... Um, problems but um yeah they, they're maybe not so much uh, so open to talk about it maybe they just feel it's a, it's a sign of weakness or something although yeah. i haven't asked i haven't asked because uh, you know i'm just focusing this on female entrepreneurs at the moment but right well I, to know if in the future some guys would like to be on the program right and well i i recently watched a program um about hillary uh rodham clinton's life And one of the themes that came up in that and some other things I've been watching is that for some reason, society feels comfortable telling women, oh, they're too fat, they're too thin, they're too smart, they weren't smart enough. Um, You know, there's been a bad habit, a bad cultural habit of evaluating women as if it was just okay to just be throwing evaluation around like that. Like, well, I didn't sign up to be evaluated by you. So I'm really not interested in your, your evaluation of me, (laughs) but, but that's a habit in, you know, Western culture and, and probably worse in other places. So we're still, we're still not really um, in the same place. And I, I also feel that women are not necessarily encouraged as little girls to go into business, to make their way in the world. And and the other thing that I would say to younger people who are getting into business is think about passive income. Figure out how to create passive income. Because, you know, when you are constantly only working for the time that you're, you know, basically in a, a, a money for time exchange, you're never, it's very hard to make a good living. And you don't, you're not building a future for yourself. And that's the biggest regret that I have in my, in my own career journey is that I did not figure out how to build passive income into my life ever so much sooner. And I knew I was interested in doing it, but somehow I felt like I had to run a gauntlet before I could start trying. And I don't know whether, I don't know where that came from, that idea, you know, that I had to prove myself more in the man's world or the structured world or whatever before I started to, you know, apply my own creativity to solve problems and make things better for people in a way that might benefit me. But, you know, all the younger women that I talk to, I'm like passive income, passive income, passive income. This is what it looks like. You know, write a book, create a this you know, create a course, do something so that you don't have to be there, you know, earning the money every time. So, and that's my biggest advice to myself right now. That's, that's really my next thing is to get this system in place so that I can start really building that passive income so that by the time I want to retire in, in 10 years or seven years, I have that income stream. Right. Okay. And the final advice to uh, female entrepreneurs Oh, final advice to female entrepreneurs. Um, Let me think about. Oh, okay, I will. You know, don't be afraid. Here's this is the double edged sword, which is tricky. Um, My mother really laid it heavy on me. Like, do not use your looks and your femininity to get ahead in the world. Like, you know, make your way on your skills and your education and all that. But you know, we are a world of appearance and, you know, how we look and how we present and all that matters. 
so I think it's okay to use your attractiveness to find places where you can get a little bit of a of an edge. And the other thing I would say is that I noticed that a lot of the training, like most of the female peers that I have were trained, our college educations are trained to do things that make less money than a lot of traditionally male uh, jobs at the beginning. So then we don't have the money, we don't have the extra money to invest in entrepreneurial activities because our money goes to supporting ourselves and our families. So if you are thinking you might want an entrepreneurial life, study something where you can get work at the beginning that's going to pay you very well. It may not be the dream thing that you absolutely want to do with the rest of your life, but it will give you more choices down the line to do other things because all of your money won't be going just into supporting yourself. Right. Well, thank you so much, Christian. It's, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. And thank you so much, too. I appreciate the opportunity, Katarina. I'm really excited that you're doing the show, and I'm really excited to be following, you know, the mental wealth uh, story. Definitely, yeah. Well, more coming uh, from, from me in the, in the future weeks and months. Thank you so much, and good luck with everything. Thank you very much. Peace and happy. Thank you for listening to this episode of Mental Wealth Entrepreneurs Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this show. Please send me any comments or feedback. If you're an entrepreneur and want to share your story, please contact me. The link is in the podcast show notes. Also, please see the social media links and uh, links to offers from my guests on the podcast notes. This podcast is sponsored by Smart Octopus Voice Agency who create chatbots and voice skills on Amazon Alexa and Google Assistant. So I'm really excited uh, to tell you that this podcast is now available as an Alexa skill. Uh, so you can search for resilient entrepreneur uh, skill and enable it as a flash briefing. So that's all for me. Uh, I wish I wish you good mental health and You are just one mind hug away. Till next time.